Let's pray. Father, in this day and age, we're hearing so much, and rightfully so, but we hear so much about the pandemic and the shrill voices on all sides. And we hear so much about the presidential election and the very shrill voices on all sides. Our lives are complicated, but we hear on a large scale very little from people who share about you. There's almost silence from the spiritual end of the American life. That's that's quite sad. So for just for 30 minutes, I hope and pray that we would concentrate not on man's inhumanity to man, but we would concentrate on God's great glory and what you share with us from your word. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Open to 1 Peter chapter 5. Now, Carl's going to do this one of these days, but it's hard to tell how many of us will be dead before he gets to this section. I'm not going to do two, two verses today. We're going to do about 11. <laughs> I'll tease him about that a lot. It's, it's interesting. Verses 1 through 3 are about elders, of which I am one. Let me read those to you. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker of the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God, that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. I'm not going to talk much about being an elder, but in the last three weeks, Nancy and I have had a great opportunity to spend with three different families in this church family, more than we have in a long time. And it was, a, it was quite a blessing to actually be doing shepherding. I think all elders would admit this. I think they would, that shepherding the flock is the most difficult part of being an elder. Uh, I've always found good reasons just not to quite do it as well as I should and to you know, go down this path or that path. But it's been so encouraging these last three weeks that uh, Nancy and I plan to be much better at that. But it's interesting to, to see how he goes from this about shepherding and about being an elder to something for all of us. So I, I don't understand how God did the inspiration for all the scripture, but it's not by accident. It's so well done. If you'll go with me now to, uh, to, to verse 5. As we see the world pushing in, our flesh always wants to push in, make its demands, make its stand. And we're always fighting that, aren't we? Verses 5 through 7, we read those to you. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility <clears throat> Excuse me, toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Uh, this is all of us. Are, we're all supposed to do this. It's just not the family under the elders, but elders also. The Latin word humilis, I'm probably 
sure that I didn't pronounce that right the, the way all the Latins would have, you know. But it means low. We, we, we are brought low. It, it doesn't mean that we're weak. But Christians have a responsibility to be humble. It's not always easy for us, is it? It's just not a simple thing. Uh, it's interesting. A writer, uh, I saw a place where they wrote that in 1908, G.K. Chesterton began to write about what would become today's postmodernism, the weakness of the spiritual uh, strength of the country and people. And the one thing he wrote about was how humility was being hijacked, being transformed. Humility had become a, a negative thing instead of a strength. Listen to this. A man was meant to be doubtful about himself, but under undoubting about the truth. This has been exactly reversed. Nowadays, the part of man that a man does assert is exactly the part he ought not to, to assert himself. The part he doubts is exactly the part he ought not to doubt, the divine reason. Uh, sometimes humility is taken as weakness by the world it would be, but not by God, not at all. Uh, in, the, in these verses right here, it says, God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. In the fifth verse there, Luke fourteen eleven, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, we need, we need never make the mistake to think that uh, God won't handle things when he so desires to. Uh, if we get too high on our horse, uh, he'll, he'll bring us to a point of uh, humility. Uh, I'm sure as a believer, there's been times in the quietness of your own home where the, the car somewhere you pulled off and been broken by this God. I've been humbled many times. And uh, it's not easy, but it is surely refreshing when you come out the other side and you say, Lord, use me. I understand what you're trying to do with me here. There's a few points here I want to make quickly about humility. Uh, Humility begins with a sense of subordination to God through Christ. Uh, A disciple is not above his teacher nor a slave above his masters. It said Matthew 10, 24. Humble yourselves, therefore, into the mighty hand of God, as it says in verse 6 that we just read. So we're in subordination to Christ. Do most people in this world today, would you, if you were to ask them, do you want to be in subordination to anyone? They would say, no, no, no. I want what's mine, and I want it yesterday. That's the kind of world we live in, especially America. A lot of other people in other countries don't even have the opportunity to think past that part. They're worried about eating that day not having their way second thing humility does not feel a right to better treatment than jesus got uh humility does not return evil for evil it's not a life based on perceived rights how many times do you struggle with thinking someone has misused you maybe your spouse god made marriages to train us in all these things in the Word. Didn't he, guys? Didn't he make women to train us? Admit it. Uh-huh. He sure did. Our wives are perfect soundboards, perfect places for us to learn the principles. You women have to th- say the same thing about your husbands because you often tell everyone that my husband's from somewhere else. 
another planet probably. Uh, Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but handed his cause over to him who judges righteously. Now, we, to be Christ-like is quite a, quite a chore, but his example is beautiful. Uh, like he, told, he did tell Pilate at one point, he said, Now, wait a minute. If I so desired, I could call legions of angels and this thing would be over. The argument would be done. But that's not for now. So I won't do that. I'll press on trying to honor my father the way I should. And this this other point here, humility is search truth not to bolster ego with control. I was in a discussion yesterday with someone who's come into my life here just recently. Um, I won't go into detail, but I spent, uh, he's about 10 years older than I am. I spent off and on yesterday, two or three hours with him. And he's a believer, and he goes on and on about being a believer. And uh, certain aspects of it, and it felt so uneasy because it was, it was me, my, what I've done, what, what, it was, it was so discouraging. And I try to, try to get my point in occasionally, and I did get the point in occasionally, but to look to the sovereignty of God, the wonder of what God has done for us, and it was difficult to do that. And he doesn't mean harm. He doesn't mean for it to come out like that, but he doesn't see how, how it really is. And he's, uh, he's trying to bolster his ego, not really noticing, I don't think. Or with triumphs in debate. We weren't really debating, but we were having disagreements along the way. <clears throat> but service to Christ and love for, their, for our adversaries. It's kind of interesting. Love rejoices in truth from Corinthians. Um, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Christ's sake. That's Paul writing. You knew the early Paul, prideful Paul, know-it-all Paul. I've got it all together. You, you four guys, you go that direction. You four guys, you go that direction. You find any Christians, you bring them back here to me. We're going to handle them. We're going to get rid of this. We're going to do it. As soon as we clean this place out, I'm headed to Damascus. We're going to handle this. But on the road to Damascus, you saw humility in action. I don't know if any of you, Adam would have, if you've been ever around where you've butchered a cow or something. I remember my uncle when I was a kid. He took a two-pound sledgehammer and hit a steer right between the eyes as hard as he could, and that steer just dropped. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. It didn't just uh, fall over. The life went out of it, and he hit the ground. If you blinked, you missed it. He was dead. And I see Paul. He did that exact thing that day. He didn't die, but when when that happened to him, he hit the ground so quickly. Prostrate on, prostrate on the ground. Dusty, face full of dust. And he said, what just happened to me? And that began his road of service to Christ. And we know what he went through. But here's, here's Paul saying, I am a bondservant. You couldn't be any lower than that. But be a bondservant. So it's so amazing. Humility knows it is dependent on grace for all knowing and believing. This is a point I tried to get across yesterday, the grace part. 
it's, it's wonderful. You know, I didn't really, my early believing years, grace was there, but I didn't understand grace like I began to understand grace in the last, say, 15, 20 years. Grace has become huge to me, and I don't know why it took so long, but it did. Sometimes things take long for people, doesn't don't they? But humility knows it's dependent on grace for all-knowing and all-believing. In humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls, as it says in James. As we really get to know ourselves, grace in all things is expand. If you think, if we think, we on our own can handle this world, um, we're sadly mistaken. We see people without grace. We see people without Christ. We see them all the time on the news. I don't know how they make it. I mean, you if you score 30 points a game in, in professional basketball, suddenly you're an expert on everything. Well, what do you think about this? You know, and they go on for five, ten minutes loving the basking in it all. And you're thinking, what did they say? Or if you're in a movie, or if, there's, there's amazing ways that people get to share things. Uh, but they're not dependent upon grace. Everything we we realize as believers depends on grace. And the last thing, humility knows it's fallible. I love the verse uh, we see in a mirror dimly. We see through a dark glass. Uh, it's like the bathroom glasses we have in our homes where you, you don't want to be able to see through them. So they're, they're frosted and, you know, they've got texture. You can, you can see dark and light, but that's it. That's about the way we go through this life. That's the best we can do. We're not capable because we still drag this body of flesh along. But someday we're going to see through it crystal clear. We're going to understand things perfectly. Uh, let me ask you, can you take correction very well? Loving rebuke? Adults I'm talking to here. Can you take it well? You want your children to. You want your children to obey, like Justin said, immediate obedience is the only obedience that's really obedience. But what about us as adults? We've, we've, we, we have problems with each other in this church family. We have problems in our marriages. We buck up a little bit. Our pride gets in, in the way. We don't do what we ask our children to do. You know, Peter wrote this book. He's my favorite uh, because he's so fallible. You know, when he denied Christ, and we'll, we'll get to another verse that tied in so beautifully. I didn't even know it was going to, but it does. He denied Christ. He went out wet bitterly. He struggled with that scene until I believe he was on the Sea of Galilee there with Jesus again, and they were they were all together again. And Christ asked him three times, Do you love me, Peter? Peter, yes, yes, Lord, I love you. And the last time he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. The Lord is trying to say, hey, all that's handled, all that's taken care of, that's past. That was to prepare you for this day to listen to what I say now and to go forth because I'm leaving and you're going to be left behind to do these things, to write the books. It's pretty exciting. Um, so there's some points about humility. Uh, verses 6 and 7. These are, these are great, guys. Um, 
Uh, da, 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 da. Humble yourself. We've read them already. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. It's got to be under the Lord's hand there. Uh, that in a proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. There the Lord's allowing Peter to stick in a little bit of his uh, fishing days, casting, casting a net. He's casting things there. This is so important for us to understand. Christ can handle anything we encounter. But we often say, our situation is unique, Lord. You, you don't quite understand. I know these other people that this, these verses should handle it for them, but mine's a little different. You know, I remember Don Flager looked at me one time. It wasn't just me. It was a couple other elders or deacons or whatever. I don't remember who it was. But he said, you know, guys, in all my marriage counseling days, these, this, these words always come out. Somewhere in the conversation, it gets to a place where they'll look at me and say, but Don, you don't quite understand. My situation's a little different. And he just said, basically, I just want to laugh and say, it's not possible to be different. They're all the same. And, but we often think, Lord, mine's a little deeper. Mine's a little, there's a little more problems with, in my situation. I, I've got a little more here to deal with than the guy next door, but that's not the case. We cast our cares on him. Now, there are verses, great verses that say, you know, bear one another's burdens, share with one another, be there for one another. And that's part of what I just said there about elders shepherding the flock, and, and we should all do that with each other. But here it says, first of all, you cast them to the Savior, you cast them to the Lord. Uh, but there are things to be aware of, aren't there? Verse 8 and 9, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And he's describing here not... Not the devil that we often see in, in cartoons. I remember as a kid, it used to scare me too. The old pitchfork or the pointed tail, the red horns and all, the whole nine yards. Well, he's much more sophisticated than that, and he's much more deadly. It, does, it doesn't say he's going to hassle us or pester us a little bit. But John 10.10, 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. We can never let our guards down. We've always got to be prayed up in a blameless situation with the Lord, saying, Lord, help me through this day, because he is around the corner. He's waiting for me wherever he can be. You know, the last part of verse 9, I, I just, the other day working on this, I started just daydreaming, closed my eyes and started thinking about this scenario, so I'm going to share it with you. Uh, Knowing this, that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You know, truth seekers, we spend a, a fair amount of time through the years, always have, dealing with the persecuted church and trying to get the kids to understand what goes on in the world at large and not just their own little world, which is all I did as a child. All, all I knew was where I was. Uh, I remember when President Kennedy was was assassinated i was sam and i were playing ball down beaver at recess and one of the teachers tears in her eyes we said well what's wrong she said our president just got shot i'll be honest with you i just wanted to finish the ball game at recess it didn't dawn on me i was a kid that just didn't dawn on me and we've got to be careful that we're not like that 
as adults and don't see the importance of things. But I was thinking about this scenario. I closed my eyes. I began to think of a, a couple in a hovel of a shack of a place in a village somewhere in this world. They wake up in the morning. Their eyes meet. It's not a restful sleep, sleeping on the hard ground. They look at five children there. There's a hollow look in their eyes toward each other. This day will be like the day before and the day before that, trying to scrounge up enough food to just get through this day. There's no hope. There's no dreams. But occasionally, occasionally there's a little spark of something that goes on in their mind. It just shoots through for a brief second that maybe this isn't all there is. And then one day... All five of their children are invited with the other children somewhere in the village for something special. And suddenly there's tons of noise and yelling and screaming and laughter and everything. And the five kids burst into the house with five red and green boxes. They open them. And the colors inside burst into this drab dwelling. The the toys, the... The school supplies, the clothing, the flip-flops, the slinkies, everything that you get and put in these boxes. And as the kids begin to take them out, the father and mother each reach into a box and pull out a paper. On it is the gospel. I knew I wouldn't get through this. The gospel message that answers the question, That was a spark that I sensed occasionally. They're image bearers, just like we are. God calls people to know him. It doesn't change their circumstances. (laughs) They still wake up two weeks later saying, where are we going to get food for today? But there's something different. They have come to know the God of this world, the creator, the savior, and their hope is in him. I just... I love dreaming that up. I will, I, I opened my eyes back up and got rid of the tears and pressed on. Um, but I often think of these brothers through, you know, sisters throughout the world today who are not worshiping like we are. They're by themselves. Many people are one, a believing family of one, a believing congregation of one. There's no one else to worship with them. They may not even have a Bible. They may have a few pages. Uh, I remember a story, and I think I've shared it before, how uh, in certain places in the world, China and other places, they will share pages of Bibles as they get them. And you may get three pages of some Psalms and a page out of Ezekiel. It doesn't matter. You treasure that. You read it and you read it and read it until it's time to pass it to someone else. We do not know what we have. But we get to the good verse the comforting verse, verse 10. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I like the part, will himself. You could have left that out, couldn't it? Who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, restore, because it's already established as God. But he says, will himself. Double emphasis there, letting us know God, he will do this. He will restore us. He will confirm us. He will strengthen us. He will establish us. That is so precious. 
How many times have you said, oh, Lord, how long? How long have I got to, how long have I got to do this? How long have I got to put up with this job? That's, uh, I remember almost 10 years working at a, a tire store as a manager for six of them. And it was, it was a bear. I mean, you folks that come in complaining about your tires, you gripe and fuss and you, this tire you sold me is no good. It only has 75,000. What? I dealt with that all the time. I got kind of sick of it. Sam called me one night. We were living in a mobile home out on Pluto Road, and he said, hey, would you like to be a plant operator? I said, Sam, I've been down there with you before. That's the most boring place. All those things on the wall, click, 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 radio signals saying what all the the water ta- uh, water tanks had in them. So far. I said, man, that's the pits. I said, that, that job's no good. I said, well, wait a minute, what? What do you think I might make? He said, I don't know, probably so-and-so. I said, I'll be up at their office on Monday morning. (laughs) God opened that job. It was the best job in the world for me. It was a great job working with Sam. That was the only detriment. But, But, you know, God sometimes takes a while to answer some things about, Lord, how long, how long? Listen to this. Suffering is a horrible threat to faith in God's future grace. If we don't get things handled with other people, with the Lord, if we don't stay blameless before him, if we don't work at that, as, as we be, the suffering begins to mount up, the worries begin to mount up, it can deprive us of the joy of looking forward to future grace. And we need grace every day. Every day God grants fresh grace. Uh, I want to end with a couple places here that tell us a little bit about restoration and establishing. These two verses are great at the end of Hebrews. I'll just read them to you. Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. Now, may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom glory forever and ever. That, that covers the whole, whole gamut, the whole thing right there. Let's go with the established part. This is, this is amazing, guys. I had no idea when I found this verse how it would tie in so well with Peter. But Jesus is here telling Peter about his denial. He's telling him he's going to do it. Not, not, not me. Nope. Man, I got this covered. I'm the toughest guy in this bunch. Uh, I've, I'm the leader. Uh, how can I let you down? How can I deny you? He said, I won't do that. But, but Christ knows he will, but he, he gives him hope. Listen to this. Uh, let's see here. Okay, here we go. Christ talking to, to Peter after he told him, you're going you're gonna, you know, to let me down. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again... Strengthen your brothers. He already foresaw that walk on the Sea of Galilee where he was going to ask him the three times and then say, feed my sheep, Peter. Take care of my sheep. Take care of your fellow workers. You guys work at this. Take care of yourselves. You know, Peter, the tra- tradition holds that they were going to crucify him. And he said, uh-uh, I am not worthy to be crucified like my Savior. So... If you would do this for me, crucify me upside down. 
would. I don't think I would. I just don't see myself as a very brave person. I'm not sure I would have, wouldn't have tried to figure a way out of it, the whole thing. But to, to say I'm not worthy. Peter's love to Christ had grown that deeply. You know, if you're still in 1 Peter 5, go back to the very last verse of 1 Peter 4. It's kind of it's interesting here. It says, therefore, uh, sounds like it's the end of chapter. It really works to be the end of chapter 5. It says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will and trust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So we have a command to do good to one another, to be good to one another. If you have a problem with someone in this congregation, you need to go to them and lovingly, not being in, a, in an accusatory way, but lovingly say, I'm sorry, I've got a little bit of a beef with you here. It's probably, it could be my fault. Let's talk this out. Then we'll pray together and we'll leave peacefully and together again. It's not good. To have things against your brother or sister. Think of your marriages. There are marriages in this church family that are struggling. Because of disobedience. Not on one part. Has to be on two. We've got to keep short accounts with the Lord and with each other. Guys, it is humbling to go to your wife and say, look, I blew this. I messed this up. It's my fault. I did this. I hurt you. I am so sorry. And then go past sorry and ask for forgiveness. Will you please forgive me? Uh, I don't ever recall seeing my mom do that. They had a good relationship, but I don't ever recall that kind of closeness. They weren't friends. They were in a marriage that would everyone would have considered a very good marriage all those years. No real problems whatsoever, but they weren't friends. You've got to be friends to your spouses. So with humility, folks, let's, let's go through the next, we'll try to get through the presidential election. Do you think we can? I don't know. We might be brain dead by that time. But there's so many things going on in this world. They're the opposite of a believer's humility that we're supposed to display. We can win. We can do what Christ wants us to do to this, in this world by being humble uh, to one another, and to each other, and especially to our adversaries. So thank you. And uh, as a church family, let's move ahead. Keep short accounts. Uh, pray for one another. Uh, I know the people at home would love to be here with us. Many would and many can't. We understand that. We don't know when this is going to end. Look out here and see masks. Uh, it is great to recognize people even in a mask. Sometimes I'm at Walmart, you know, or something, and I'm looking. I say, Nancy, is that is that so and so? Is that is that you know? Because you can't really tell for sure. You don't want to say, Hey, Bill, and it's it's uh, Mildred. I mean, you know, something like that. You don't want to do it like that. So. We want to be done with this. We want to be done with it. We don't know when we will, so we'll press on. We'll do the best we can with God's enablement. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, you are a gracious God. You are the God of all grace, as we learned today. Uh, for Peter, 
to deny he even knew Christ after being with him for three years is something we have a hard time with. Uh, for Christ's sake. I'm not saying Peter was uh, not strong. I, I may not have lasted uh, a few weeks and say this is too hard. I'm going home. So I'm not finding fault with him. I'm finding amazing understanding of who Christ is. How he could endure that, knowing that he was going to the cross, but he also knew that after the cross he would see Peter on the on the lake. They would eat fish together, talk together, and part ways as brothers. Father's world is mixed up crazy, has been since Adam and Eve took the bite of that fruit. Their very first generation from Eve's womb brought one son who would kill another out of hatred, envy, all the things we we don't want to be. But it's here. It will remain here with us and in this world until you have had enough and you bring us all to where you are and we see through that glass perfectly. Until that day, may we, we, may we be strong for one another. May we be strength for one another. The day may come. We as a church family may have to stand out in front of these doors and say, you know, please, can we just keep worshiping the way we always have? We don't know what's coming our way. So we pray for our own lives, but those of believers in this country and throughout this world, especially those today who are by themselves, praying to to Jesus, wanting relief. They're saying, Lord, how long, how long must I suffer in this place? Their joy is going to be much greater than mine for what they've been through. So how sweet that is. Go with us this day. Be with our pastor and, and Ruthie and the rest of the, uh, whoever, whoever that family went down to the, to the wedding of a family member. Bring them home safely. We certainly pray, we certainly praise you for the opportunity to openly share with you. It's been a glorious time. Thank you for these people. Bless the day. For Jesus' sake. Amen.